Welcome to the Science of Growth Podcast, where you'll be captivated by the fascinating world of personal development. Raymond Rivera shares dynamic insights, captivating personal accounts, and explorations into the halls of mental growth. Now sit back, brace yourself, and be transformed by the rewiring of your mind. Welcome to the Science of Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Raymond Rivera, MBA. Glad you decided to join me, and I promise that this podcast provides you with value. You're going to need to share this with your family, with your coworkers, your bosses, and even the milkman. Today, we're going to embark on a profound discovery where we dissect the essence of being and the root cause of most of the problems today. Now, this is not what you think, so let's get to it. Today's episode is called Realizing paradigm. So before we dive in, I want to reflect on something that we all have in common. See, I believe that we have all strived for something better. Some people strive for more than others, and some people are absolutely relentless. But I know that we share a common thread. We all want something better. We all want and have wanted growth. See, I know when I was Being brainwashed by ideologues, I did. I know when I was being deceived and part of an elaborate hoax, it was no different. I just wanted to grow. When I was alone in the hospital bed, without any hope or knowledge on what was going on inside of my brain, I wanted to grow. When I was kicked out of high school and college, and when I was fired from jobs, excommunicated from churches, and kicked out of local community centers, When I was slammed against Chicago police cars, I was condemned over and over again as a child. All I knew and all I know is that I just wanted to grow. I was called a disgrace in kindergarten and a devil in fourth grade. I was told I'd end up in jail or dead before I even got into high school. But my problem was that I just did not listen. And if you've been drawn to this podcast, I know you and I may be cut from the same cloth. So maybe in different ways, but we have much more in common than we know. Today we uncover the essence of paradigm. Paradigm is the foundational framework that shapes our perceptions and directs our paths. It is the reason you've experienced what you have and it is the sinister voice you hear in your head over and over again. Now to realize paradigm, we must first understand it, right? And the paradigm is the mental GPS that dictates our thoughts, beliefs, and actions. Picture yourself on a trip to Puerto Rico. If I drop you in Puerto Rico without a GPS, how would you get around? You wouldn't know what to do. Think of paradigm as the mental GPS And it frames all of our thoughts, our feelings, and our beliefs, our actions. It pigeonholes all of these things into a mindset. Now, I was doing some research into mindset. And I came across a TED Talk from Aaliyah Crum, from Dr. Aaliyah Crum from Stanford University. And she had a very good definition of mindset. She stated that a mindset is a mental frame or a lens that selectively organizes and encodes information. 
So let's start with unveiling limiting beliefs, right? Self-image is contained in paradigm. You know, I, I can go back into myself and my own life. When I was younger, you know, my paradigm was in the city of Chicago. And being raised in the city of Chicago, in the northwest side, you know, I was just raised in a box. And my parents were really paranoid, right? But they were very strict. And so they kept me inside of this box. And I stayed in this box in my life for years and years and years. And I developed this dark side. And this dark side always spoke to me in ways that no one else spoke to me, right? I, I, I became comfortable with the dark side. This dark side would continue to condemn me. I was always having, you know, visions of, you know, dark things. I was having, you know, family members that would tell me that I was, you know, stupid and all these negative affirmations that continue to be spoken to me. And it caused a feeling of self-condemnation. And that self-condemnation, that was my self-image. That self-condemnation molded into the condemnation of others, right? It was a spirit of condemnation. That was my paradigm. And so as I learned more about the mind and how the mind of the subconscious mind is a sponge and renders back to you everything you consciously impress upon it, you know, I, I had conscious thoughts over and over again every single day about being nobody. That was my paradigm. And what's important about that, for me at least, is this is why in the future I went to religion. Because it, was, it gave me a ticket to condemn other people. I became cynical about myself and about others. Before church, I just didn't care about my life. I didn't care if I lived or if I died because I just did not love myself. I had such a self-condemnation spirit that I didn't care if I lived or died. I didn't even know or even plan about seeing the next day. I was crazy. That's the life that I lived. It was very dark. And I tried to suppress that for so long because it was a part of my paradigm. And that was my self-image. Right. And some of you listening to me right now, when you sit back and you reflect, because you should be reflecting. You know, in my book, The Wall Within, Rewiring Your Mind for Success, I talk about the backward review. It's important for you to go backward in your day and think about all the decisions that you made. Replay that day in your mind. Right. But not only that day. Let's go back into your past. See, I've been writing a book. I've been in my autobiography right now. As I'm in the process of finishing my autobiography and also finishing the circular continuum. And what I've noticed is when I go back into my autobiography and I try to think about the memories, it helped me understand why I think, I act, I speak, I talk the way that I do. They were all byproducts or, or results of programs. Programs that were placed inside of my subconscious mind and became the way in which I lived. So one thing I want to emphasize here is your thoughts, your feelings, and your actions make up your attitude. So once again, I'm going to say that again. Your thoughts, your feelings, and your actions make up your attitude. If you were raised in a paradigm of poverty, as an example, and you were raised in a paradigm that money is evil, and therefore right now you think of people who have money as deceitful people, 
or you're cynical towards them. You know, that's a paradigm. And that paradigm is based on beliefs, a belief system that came from your birth. And so when we speak on the modus operandi, when I speak on the modus operandi, it is your paradigm. Now, if you want to change your paradigm, that's the first step. And we're going to talk about embracing a growth mindset. If you want to grow, the very, fir- the very first thing you need is a conscious thought of growth. Once you have that conscious thought, you're going to fight with paradigm. Paradigm is not going to let you accept that thought. And so I want to emphasize the self-image is a part of your paradigm. How do you think about yourself? When you look in the mirror every day, what do you tell yourself? Do you tell yourself anything? Are you always thinking negatively about yourself? This is important. You know, I've had clients before where, you know, and I, and I say this often, when was the last time you looked in the mirror and told yourself that you were beautiful? That is important. And this is paradigm. Everything you think about, everything you believe, is pigeonholed into this paradigm, this mindset. Okay, so when we talk about having a mindset, a mindset is the lens through which you view the world. So when we talk about viewing the world, let's, let's dig deep into a book by Dr. Maxwell Maltz titled Psycho-Cybernetics. If you haven't read this book, it's a great book on self-image, something I highly recommend for changing your self-image going from one way to the next, from paradigm to emancipation. In the book Psycho-Cybernetics, Dr. Moltz describes experiments by Dr. Prescott Leckie. In this, he says, After thousands of experiments and many years of research, Leckie concluded that poor grades in school are, in almost every case, due in some degree to the students' self-conception and self-definition. These students had been literally hypnotized by such ideas as, I am dumb. I have a weak personality, I am poor in arithmetic, I am usually a poor speller, I am ugly, I do not have a mechanical type mind, etc. With such self-definitions, the student had to make poor grades in order to be true to himself. Unconsciously making poor grades became a moral issue with him. This is an amazing thing here in this book. Talking about how kids with poor grades, now what's interesting is that in Dr. Thurman Fleet's concept therapy, when he created the stick figure, and if you haven't seen it, the top is the conscious mind, then underneath it you have the subconscious mind, and with the body is action, and that leads to results. So you have thoughts, feelings, and actions leading to results. These kids had an open conscious mind, meaning no filter. Strictly a subconscious mind subject to suggestion. And no suggestions such as, I am, uh, I am weak, I have a weak personality, I am poor in arithmetic. Think about all the times you say, I am something. I am sick, I am weak, I am poor. These are negative affirmations that you are bringing towards yourself. And since, with, since you have that mindset... That mindset creates physiological changes in your body. And like Thomas Troward states, the subconscious mind is subject to suggestion, rendering back everything that is consciously pressed upon it. 
So the child must make poor grades in order to combine or in order to obey the suggestions of the conscious mind. So if the kid says, I am ugly, he must perceive the world through the lens of being ugly in order to obey the conscious mind. And one thing that's interesting here is that he says these students had been literally hypnotized. Something that I've been mentioning and something that I state now is to the listener, you are hypnotized. But the question is, who is doing the hypnosis? So hypnosis by definition is, and I'm going to go into this a bit because this is something that is a concept a lot of people won't accept nor understand. But I want you to understand this. If you're listening to me now, hear this and understand. He who has ears, let him hear. Hypnosis equals a changed state of awareness. Hypnosis is a human condition involving focused attention. There are four types of hypnosis. There's hypnotherapy, producing therapeutic results. There's stage hypnosis, that's what's used in entertainment. That's where someone says, you are going to bark like a dog, and then someone barks like a dog on stage. People laugh, that is entertainment. There is self-hypnosis, which ties into self-belief. This is what we're talking about here, right? The self-hypnosis in which you produce affirmations. In this case, these children produced negative affirmations, saying that I am ugly, I am poor, in arithmetic, I am dumb, etc. This this is called self-hypnosis, a.k.a. self-belief. And then there is natural hypnosis. This is the point in which you are hypnotized by the the state of play that you are in. In other words, it's almost as if you are in the zone. Think of think of that thing that you are fully competent in. You are the subject matter expert in that thing. When you are fully involved in that thing, you are in a state of natural hypnosis because you are in a zone. You are not consciously aware of time. You are not thinking about the place you are in. You're not thinking of anything else other than being in that state of mind in which you are engaged in your practice, whatever that is. You can be a basketball player, you can be into sports, you can be a student, you can be a teacher. When you are in that zone, you are in a state of natural hypnosis. This is important because let's let's combine the state of play here. Let's combine this. Because if we were to use one of the most drastic situations in hypnosis... That ultimately led to the death of a thousand people. Let's look at Jonestown. And if you're not aware of Jonestown, let's look at Jonestown and Jim Jones. Jim Jones was a Pentecostal pastor. He ended up turning into a communist. He took a thousand people and ultimately led them into their deaths. There's a lot of controversy about it. You know, a lot of conspiracy theories, etc. But one thing is known is that there is a picture online. If you look up Jonestown... And the deaths, the, de- the the mass suicide, you will see pictures of a thousand people laying on the ground. There is also tapes on the internet that you can listen to in which you will hear these people, you know, engaging in, in emotional cries and in passionate screams because some people just didn't want to do that. They did not want to end their life, but they were hypnotized. And so this is the state of play. The state of mind in which a lot of people are in, hypnotized by by a belief. And so he was able to use charismatic speech and thoughts to consciously impress his thought, 
his speech into the subconscious mind of many people, ultimately leading unto their deaths. This is very important because this is why I am saying that you are hypnotized. There is somebody's conscious mind, somebody's thought has been implanted into your subconscious mind. But once again, the question is, it, the question is, is it yours or is it someone else's? This is very important when it comes down to paradigm. So you may have been brainwashed. You may have been a product of deception. You know, I can go back into my life and, and countless examples. One example in which, you know, there's a prominent life coach out there now. He's got to be making, you know, seven figures easily who brainwashed me into a certain belief. And I still follow this individual on Instagram. I'm not going to tell you who it is. However, I can confidently say that this individual used me for his own personal gain. And this is something I outline in my book. Um, I, I title his name as Goliath. And, you know, there was something deeper that caused my hypnosis. And that something was the dark side of my own life. The fact that I was self-hypnotized with a belief that I was nothing, as I stated earlier. And because of that self-belief, I, me, Raymond Rivera, I created a persona, and I ultimately became that persona. I was subject to everything that I was given out. That which I gave out, I received. One of the big paradigm shifts that I went through was when I was in church. I was doing music at first, in the clubs on the northwest side of Chicago, I was a musician, a hip-hop artist. I had a group of individuals with me. We called ourselves the Shy City Mob. <laughs> uh, you know, we, we took it very, very serious. I took it serious. I was the ringleader. I led everyone to record. I was the producer. I was the engineer. I was the marketer. I was the salesman. I was everything. That was my first journey into being an entrepreneur. There was a situation that happened. A good buddy of mine and I were, you know, we were drinking that night. And I remember I was super polarized in one direction. I was very angry because something that was happening at the time. I was pounding my fist. I was upset because I was told that there was an individual that was on my group that was disloyal. And I was very upset. And so I was polarized in one direction, super angry. And then all of a sudden, in the snap of a finger, I became super patient. And it was at that point in 2006 that I stopped and I said, man, something is wrong. And so he said, well, let's find out. I heard something in my head and it was the dark side. I heard that dark side saying things that I didn't think I could ever say because I was suppressing that for such a long time. In time, I started going into church. And when I was in church, I followed Pentecostal, the Pentecostal denomination. I was under the pastors in the church. I grew quickly. I was there five times a week. But then I realized something is off here. Something is wrong. And, you know, I detail this in my book. But one of the things I did was I sent out a letter to all the members of the church. And I said, I'm done. This is very cult-like and I'm getting out of here. And when I did that, I lost all my friends, right? The people in the church that said that they loved me, etc. Now, this happened to me also before when I was doing music. But when I was in the church, this happened. I lost everybody around me. So if you are on a mission to change, expect those people around you to leave. This will happen. And so everybody left. 
And I found myself alone again with no future, no vision. I did not graduate with my bachelor's. I did not graduate with my master's, obviously, but that was my mindset. That was my vision to stay in church and to live a life dedicated to God in the religion. I was uncomfortable and I ultimately decided to shift my mindset because I knew that I needed to pay the bills. My ultimate goal was to have a wife and to have children. And that just wasn't happening at that time. So I decided to get out. But as an example, when I had that thought to shift my paradigm for a new goal, everything changed. As soon as I had that thought, I had to make a decision. And when I made that decision, everything around me shifted. People around me changed. Things that I did, the way I thought, the way I acted, the way I believed. Now it was hard because once I passed my negotiation phase and I started to believe emotionally all the beliefs uh, in the church, I dealt with a paradigm that told me, Ray, if you go anywhere, you're going to go to hell. And it was intense. I will not sugarcoat that for you. But that was one paradigm shift. So when I speak on the cyclical nature of the science of growth in the circular continuum, I'm telling you this from experience. So that was one in church, and then there was one other one in music, and there was another one in school, and there was another one in my career choice, another one in you know different jobs that I've worked at. When I chose, that I, when I made the conscious decision that I wanted to grow, things happened. I couldn't understand it at the time, but what I speak about in this book is that there is a nucleus that starts to form when you make the choice to change. And it's a really, really in-depth analysis of how this whole thing works in the science of growth. But for this podcast, for today's episode, I wanted to help everyone listening, you, the listener, understand what is paradigm and to realize paradigm, to look at your life and to dissect every habit that you have and review that habit. Does it align with your future state? Now, if you're in a comfort zone, that's okay. You can stay in the comfort zone. That is your choice. If you make your bed, you will sleep in it. And that's okay. But if you desire transformation, now this is not only for individuals. This is also for organizations. If you desire transformation, do not expect comfort. Now, this is where the relentless mindset comes into play. Because once you decide on a goal, what I term as get out and live... A get out and live goal. When you decide that and you make that choice, you will negotiate in your conscious mind. After you pass the negotiation phase in the tension zone, you will migrate into the next, which is the wall. And when you pass the wall, you're going into freedom. That's when you start seeing the results and the fruit of your labor. But I don't want to sugarcoat for one second when it comes down to paradigm shifting. You know, something that Tim Grover talks about in his book, Relentless, when he speaks about cleaners. You know, we're, we're talking about a mindset that is relentless. Where you go towards that goal, you make decisions, you are confident in who you are, you don't speak, you act. So organizations must be ready when they hire cleaners to listen to those cleaners and let them do their jobs. Because when you hire a cleaner, things are going to change. So something I wanted to mention there. So... For paradigm, paradigm is not only for individuals, it is also for organizations. There is a corresponding effect when we talk about transformation within an individual and also in a collective consciousness being an organization. 
One other item that I thought was very interesting that I highlight in this book is in psychology in Maslow's hierarchy of needs on the very foundation on the bottom are the physiological needs. In other words, you have to eat. In order to eat, you have to make money. And so when you make a decision to enter into a business, you are making a conscious decision that is molded into your subconscious because you are emotionally involved in that. How do you become emotionally involved in that? It's simple. You need to eat. So therefore, you made a decision, a conscious decision, to join that job, to become employed. And as an employee, you receive conscious thoughts impressed upon your subconscious mind by the leader of that business. That is why you have to be indoctrinated into a job when you start. So if you're a cleaner and you don't desire to be indoctrinated, somebody look out because there's going to be a time when it comes to head. That's the last part of this podcast, the last thing I wanted to talk about here. So I want to thank you for joining me today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate my podcast, leave yourself a review, send me a message. I'm on all social media sites, TikTok, Instagram, LinkedIn, all these different social media sites. You can also send me an email. If you want me to cover a specific topic, send me an email at raymond.rivera at rgfirm.net. You can also check out my book called The Wall Within, Rewiring Your Mind for Success. You can get that on Amazon, on Kindle, or you can go to our website, my website at rgfleadership.com. Let's connect. Let's build this network. The renaissance has come and people have begun to become aware and conscious of the divinity within them. So as I always say in my social media shorts, the ones that are up there on the, the websites, be brilliant, be brief, and be gone, right? So be brilliant, know what you're going to talk about. Be brief, say it quickly, and be gone. Get out of the room. So until next time, I want to thank you once again. Your feedback means the world to me, and it will help me reach more growth enthusiasts just like you. You can contact me on the website. You can send me an email. And until next time, be brilliant, be brief. Be gone. Have yourself a great week.